This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesuto Ophil. Alexis en el descuento ha marcado el Arsenal como viene siendo habitual esta temporada. Gol de Alexis 1-0 Arsenal. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there and welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always, I'm joined by James from Gunnerblog. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. I apologize in advance for my voice, but this is what happens when you try and make yourself heard over 60,000 people and you want to call Mark Clattenburg a cunt repeatedly for about 90 minutes. This this <laughs> is the, the outcome of that. Was well, a worthy sacrifice. Yes. My, my voice, on the other hand, presumably for the listeners, is getting greater and greater clarity week on week. Yeah. Exciting times, improving sound quality on the Askast Extra. It really is. We, <laughs> we should be proud of this. Yeah, um, we are. We are. We are a worrying amount. Yes. You you didn't spend 90 minutes calling Clattenburg a cunt, I take I, it. I, I spent 90 minutes trying not to um, <laughs> because I was in the press box um, sat next to Jonathan Wilson, of all people, that very, you know, erudite, intellectual man of football, and trying to, you know, feign neutrality. Mm. And I completely gave the game away, I have to say. On on, uh, our first and second goals, I jumped up and shouted, prompting a few looks. But, you know, I I think I got away with it. I styled it out. I just pretended it was, you know, a victory for football on both occasions. (laughs) I'm just applauding the quality of the goals rather than the team who scored them. I I turned to Jonathan Wilson and said, well, that that tactical system sure paid dividends there. Yeah, invert that pyramid, motherfucker. Yeah, and we high-fived. All right. Um, (laughs) Shameless name-dropping already. But I, I, um, yeah, I really enjoyed the game. It was a great match, I thought. Yeah, I yeah, quite the spectacle. Um enjoyable, frustrating, relieving. There were all kinds of emotions coming out of the ground because that was a game we sh- we probably should have won, let's face it, but easily could have ended up losing. Um yeah. It reminded me a little bit of the um draw with Everton at home last season. It was that kind of mad end-to-end game in which really anything could have happened. And and similarly there was that moment of elation where it looked like we were going to come out on top and, and win it and it felt like it would be a really significant thing. Um and then sadly of course it, it didn't quite pan out that mm, way. No. Uh, but an enthralling match nonetheless. And I do think maybe I'm just being a little bit optimistic, but I do think there were some some really encouraging signs. I would agree. I mean, I thought the first 25 minutes until they scored, essentially, I thought we were very much on top, played with real drive and energy. Yeah. Um, If we get that first goal, you you know, you don't know how it changes it. I mm. mean, 
It's unlucky, isn't it? That's yeah, well bet chance. It really was because I was all I was right behind that, just looking at it drifting, drifting towards goal. And you know, I, I think uh, if there'd been pictures, I would have been one of those people with my hands up in the air, waiting for it to go in, but only for the hands to go on the head. Then after it's going, no. Oh, I mean, nine times out of ten, that ball you know bounces in, doesn't it, off the post? Mm. It was, uh, uh, what camp are you in? You in the camp of he should have put his foot through it, or is unlucky? I think a bit unlucky. You know, the keeper was storming out. Um, you know, he did ninety nine percent of it right, didn't he? You know, so yeah, almost almost perfect. Shame for him. Almost um, perfect. But well, then, of course, we got sucker punched as we as we so often do. Yeah, I mean, I think there was an element of bad luck to it with the ball that rebounded. Uh, but I think probably defensively we could have done more uh, to prevent that goal. Um, Flamini just seemed to switch off. Uh, and Aguero's run was, you know, typically Aguero, but nothing uh, nothing you wouldn't expect from him. No, he sort of ran in a straight line. And yeah. I, I, I think Flamini could have tracked it better. I mean, I, was, I came down quite hard on Flamini and Monreal after the game. On reflection, I, I sort of I feel a bit for Monreal. I, I don't think there was much he could have done. It was a bit of a freak thing that that ball stayed in play, wasn't it? It was quite a an odd spin that yeah. allowed Navas to race onto it. But Flamini maybe could have tracked Aguero better. I thought Monreal got... Uh, the criticism was a little bit over the top, considering that most of the time City came down the left-hand side, he was ending up facing two players, and one of them... Uh, Jesus Navas is super quick and quick feet and dangerous, and I thought for the most part he he dealt with it he dealt with it quite well considering the overlap that was there most of the time. Mm. I mean, I don't know if you saw, but BBC Match of the Day did a piece uh, in their analysis about the positioning of our fullbacks, about how high up the pitch yeah. they are, and, and I do think there is something to be said for that. Like you know, it does seem like. Uh, it's a bit overkill that they're both pushing on so high quite so often. And with a guy like Navas, who's got that pace in behind, because that was one of the big problems in these games last season. I remember at Chelsea, the fullbacks were way, way up the pitch, weren't they? Mm. But I mean, um, it, it is kind of, when you do play that system, there's an onus on the the holding midfield player to provide that cover, yeah. um, which, which wasn't the case as well, so... Were you surprised he went with Flamini over Arteta? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that um, he maybe Arteta isn't a hundred percent fit in terms of his uh, in terms of his ankles. So, um, yeah, that that would be the only reason I think he'd go for Flamini over Arteta because Arteta's a better footballer, in my opinion, mm. I and mean, obviously I the captain. If, and you know, yeah, I wondered if it might be a tempo thing. You know, we set such a fast pace in that first twenty minutes. Is Flamini? You know, more someone who fits more in that style. I don't Maybe. know. Arteta a bit more leisurely, yeah, um, perhaps. But I was surprised, have to say. Yeah. Um, positives, though, from from our point of view, um, to be behind against the champions, and once again to have conceded the first goal in a game to the first shot, which is something we might touch on a bit later on. But then to come back and score two fantastic goals, and it's. Uh, you know, it's interesting to look at the goals and how they happened. That we won the ball back high up the pitch. Um, you know, the the Wilshire goal in particular, we'd lost the ball. I think Ozil got bundled off it. Welbeck came steaming in on company to win it back. Ozil, I think, got back up to make a a challenge on it. Could have been Kolarov or something playing it into midfield to Aguero. Koscielny is up Aguero's arse, basically. They're looking for a free kick. Win the ball back. Bang, bang, bang. Uh, Wilshire makes a mug of Clichy, which was very nice, I have to say. <laughs> uh, and the finish was, was absolutely sensational from Jack. Yeah, brilliant goal. And I really loved that, that high pressing that allowed us to win it back. 
you know, that's something that Welbeck will bring, I think that's clear already. And also, Ozil did do well, as you've alluded to, in that, in that little period. There was a little five-minute spell where he seemed a bit angry. I think he'd wanted a free kick and hadn't got it. Uh, and, that, and that helped us out too. But Wilshere, you know, involved in both our goals and I thought it was really fantastic. I'd say I can't remember the last time I saw him play that well for Arsenal. Yeah. I um, mean, is it not an illustration, though, of people making judgments far too quickly? When we touch back on uh, the criticism levelled at him after the first game of the season by, by Jamie Redknapp and, and Carragher, after one game, you know, that there is this tendency to be so short-term about the way we think about players and how they're playing. And, and Ozil is one of those that we might we might come to in a while. There's probably some questions about Ozil we might get to in the, in the second period. But Wilshire, all of a sudden now, well, you know, there's a kind of uh, performance he needed. You won't say it's a breakthrough performance, but I think, you know, having been the subject of that criticism, to respond in the way he did was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I think in the case of Wilshire. You know, we talk about just the first game of the season. That is one thing, but I think across the whole, across the last eighteen months, really, he hasn't he hasn't produced performances of the level we'd expect on a consistent basis. And I think that's the important thing to remember. As good as he was, we've seen flashes from him in the past, but it's about producing regularly for Jack now, isn't it? It's about staying fit and trying to stay on top of his game. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's what last season was mostly about, that after missing 12, 14 months with injury, to come back and and he got most of a good season under his belt, I thought the, yeah. you know, he, he, he scored more goals, he created more goals than in any other season, um, which isn't to say he couldn't do more, but I think, you know, that he needed that season under his belt to be able to make the step forward this season. Um, yeah. and, and I think, you know, for the most part, he's played pretty well. We've always used, you know, uh, as Arsenal fans, that he would follow the kind of Ramsey trajectory. You know, Ramsey had a similar thing where he went through a period where his game caught less headlines, took it back to basics a bit, and he just recovered his, his mm. fitness and his form before really starting to explode. And, you know, fingers crossed, you know, Wilshire's on that path. It seems that Arsene Wenger is pretty determined to um, to find a way to involve him in the starting eleven. Yeah. I feel like the way we're set up a lot of the time at the moment is to try and get both Jack and Aaron, you know, in the same team. And it's clear that this is a season, you know, the manager said publicly, this is a big season for him. And I think he's doing everything he can to, to help Wilshire in that process and make sure he can make an impact mm. in the team. Well, Jack's doing his bit as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, so far so good. Um, on that regard, a great goal by Alexis. Brilliant goal. Brilliant finish. Mm. Um Shame about the the booking afterwards. I'm, I do not like that rule. <laughs> well, I don't like that rule either. But I think if you're going to be petty and and give a yellow card for that kind of thing, then you've got to be consistent as a referee, which is part of why I was calling Clattenburg a cunt, particularly when it was, I think, Fernandinho already on a yellow card who kicked the ball away after we'd been given a free kick. So, I yeah. mean, if you're going to be a stickler for the rules, you, you might disagree with them. You might, but... Um, they either apply at all times to, to both teams or not at all. Mm. That drove me mad, actually, because, you know, that, that would have had a... I agree entirely, yeah. If you're going to play by the book, you've got to stick by it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I thought that was a brilliant, brilliant finish from Alexis. He's quietly, you know, got three goals in consecutive games, is it now? Um, I think he's settling really well. Looks 
he looks absolutely, you know, the player we hoped he would be, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's end product, there's hard work, there's, um, you know, quality in his game. I, I think the pass, the little pass through from him, excuse me, it sounds like my voice is breaking, but the little pass through from him to Ramsey. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> In the build-up to the first goal um, was really nice as well because it was just perfectly threaded through a, a, a clump of players. I think that's the technical term. Mm. Um, you know, so so I think that, that part of his game is improving as well and he's beginning to form an, an understanding with, with the players around him. Um, towards the end, it could have been worse. The, the goal that they scored... Uh, to equalise was disappointing. Set-piece goal again. I think we've yeah. touched on that before, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Um, men back on the posts, though, I noticed. Yeah. Uh, to no avail. Some people said that Chesney should have left that to Flamini to head clear, but I don't think a goalkeeper can make that assumption. Well, that if, if the ball's coming across, he's got to try and make a save. I think so, and I think if Flamini... I mean, <clears throat> Flamini would have to make a hell of a shout very early, I think, for that to ever be the case. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, look, it was a good header, I thought. Uh, Chesney did his best to keep it out, but couldn't quite manage it. Whether Flamini would have just nodded it away, probably would. But So maybe a communication issue. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, he's a keeper, isn't he? He's going to go for the save. You'd criticise him if he left it, probably. Of course. Um, yeah, set piece is a bit worrying. I have to say, you know, I don't fully understand all the intricacies of, of zone marking and our set piece strategy, but... Whatever it is, it isn't, it isn't quite working, is it? But it worked last season. We were much yeah. better. We con- conceded fewer goals from set pieces than in any season. Well, certainly over the, the previous few seasons where it was a real a real weakness. Um, I, I think some of that, you've you got to give credit to uh, the goalkeeper um, for being a more dominant figure. Um, but this is, a, this is an issue where, uh, look at the FA Cup final where we didn't have that kind of goalkeeper in the um, in the side and set-piece goals became a problem there. But I think it's it's an ongoing issue. The the um, uh, the system isn't quite working, is it? Whether it's personnel or awareness or I don't know. I mean, do you think we're missing Olivier Giroud back there? Someone who attacks the ball, you know, gets it out at that near post. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think that would have made any difference then to the Di Michaelis goal yeah. because the ball was, you know, hit to the hit to the far post. But certainly, you know, we're not the tallest team in the world either. Um, so that so that could well be that could well be an issue. But look, um, overall, I think it's probably probably a point that we can be pretty happy with. Yeah, I think it would have been massive to win the match, you know, against a top four rival would have been brilliant if we could have got those three points. But looking at the last 10 minutes of the game, last five minutes, it's a, it's a game we very, very nearly lost. I think the injury to Machi Dabushi, which I'm sure we'll, we'll come back to. Mm. Um, well, let's do it now. Well, I think it had quite a big impact, not just on the team, but also on the atmosphere in the ground. Yeah. It felt like everything deadened slightly, didn't it? It went completely flat because people could see immediately that he was he was badly hurt, that, you know, he's thumping the ground and they're in there with the inflatable thing and you're thinking, oh, crap, he's broken his leg or he's broken his ankle or something, but... Yeah, for sure. And somebody, um, I apologise, I can't find the tweet now in the, the midst of the tweets here. God, or was it a comment somewhere? I can't remember. It could have actually been a comment on Ars Blog News, and apologies to the person in question, um, who suggested that perhaps the the tackle on Debushi pretty early on in the first half. Mm. Do you remember? I can't remember who it was that went right through him. 
again, that was another um, incident where I was um, calling Mark Clattenburg a cunt for not booking the, the player. Or maybe he did, I can't remember, but I still call Clattenburg a cunt. But maybe that had an impact on on his ankle, that if he damaged his ankle in that first tackle, because he just seemed to land badly and um, disappointed because yeah. he was having a great game, I thought, to Bushi. Yeah, I thought he was terrific, I have to say. He's a very tenacious player, isn't he? And he slotted in so seamlessly, I mean, almost without comment, and I think that is quite the compliment, mm. uh, especially when you consider the calibre of the player he was replacing in, in Bakary Sanya. Um, yeah, but I just felt that that, and uh, I felt that that goal really robbed us of momentum, robbed the crowd of atmosphere, robbed... And, and, and you know, it, we just weren't quite present for the next five minutes and we were punished for it, I think. I think concentration might have been an issue because, you know, for the fans and the players, I think as much as there was immediate concern for Debussy in that moment, there was also probably that little bit of forethought about well, what does this mean going forward? Because it, mm. it's, it's a major, major blow. Yeah, it really is. It really is because um, our defensive shortcoming, something we worried about and everybody was particularly worried about, are, are in sharp focus now because um, we're going to have to play Callum Chambers at right back. Yeah. And should anything happen to any of our centre halves, then, you know, we're, we're down to down to bare bones. Um, we tried to find some logic in the not signing anyone thing you know, the when we spoke about the transfer window and mm. I don't know. Well on, it on makes this, less sense now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if you watched um Arsene Wenger's weekly interview with uh, Arsenal player on, on Arsenal dot com, but he was asked about the, the defensive cover issue. And um it was one of those interviews where they, they had the video on the website and also a transcript. Mm. But Occasionally, when they do that, there are bits they they choose not to transcribe, sort of for, for fear they will, you know, elicit much debate online. And um, there are little things sometimes you can catch in the video. And what Arsene Wenger actually said was, um, "Let me just have a look." He said, "I'm happy with the, the quality of our defenders. With the numbers, I concede we need to be a bit lucky." Uh, the mega jinx there from Arsene. We have three centre backs of top quality. Very few clubs now have four uh, because a big top international who comes to be centre-back number four is very difficult to keep. Mm. I don't know if that's a, a post-rationalisation from Arsene or something that, you know, impinged upon his transfer activity in the summer. But also, I'm not sure how true it is. Like I was looking around this morning, you know, City, who we played, have got company, Mangala, Nastasic, Demichelis, mm. United have got, you know... Evans, Jones, Smalling, uh, Rojo. They even got uh, Blackett and Blind. Liverpool, Skirtle, Sarko, Lovren, Torre. The only comparable situation is Chelsea, where they have Terry Cahill and, and Zuma. But they have got Branislav Ivanovic, who, like Bakary Sanya last season, you know, can play at centre back as well as right back. So I'm not sure what he's saying really stacks up. I, I feel like we're in a real pickle now. Mm. And um, you do worry, I mean, because. Debussy's probably going to miss the next few months, isn't he? That's what they're saying. Three months, probably. Which means, effectively, we need to hope for three months without another significant injury, which... Or suspension. Or suspension, which, given our luck in the moment, just doesn't seem plausible, does it? No. (laughs) No. I mean, I just... I can't get my head around it at all. It's a bad situation to be in. And when you... You know, as I made the point on the blog on Sunday, you've got uh, an Arsenal squad, an 18 that was picked for 
uh, for the game against Manchester City with no Thomas Rosicki on the bench, no Joel Campbell on the bench, no Yaya Sanogo on the bench. Mm. But in terms of the defensive side of things, it's um, it's it's a real worry. Um, we're, we're very top heavy as a squad. Yeah, and and the only option that we have, I mean, I don't see the the free agent market as being a solution to this. Well, Mario Yepes has gone elsewhere, I believe. No! <laughs> I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Shit. But I think he might have signed with San Lorenzo or someone like that. So, yeah. Balls. I, I think that's... And also, I think the... Um, I'm not sure about this, but I think the Champions League registration date will have gone by. So you'd think if they were going to do anything, they would have wanted to do it before then. Mm. Um so, yeah, I mean, Arsene Wenger in his press conference said, you're going to ask me who I'm going to buy, and you know full well that I can't. Um, he could have done. Yeah, but, he you know. could have. You know, <laughs> there was this uh, three-month spell when it would have been, you know. That passed him by. Yeah. That passed him by. Like, oh, shit. Yeah, defender. Yeah. Well, I never oh. thought of that. Yeah. Um, there's no chance, I don't think, of bringing Carl Jenkinson back. People have been asking about that, but I think the season-long loans um, tend to be... There's a, a clause because obviously the, the the team that's bringing him in is banking or you know making their plans on that. Although, did Bellerin not go to Watford on a season long loan and then return after a few months? Um, possibly. I think so I think with with those kind of championship clubs, it tends to be broken outside of that <laughs> more often. But I think with a season long loan, I mean, for a start, I think it might only be possible to change his registration during a window. Mm. Um, the other thing is that West Ham will have obviously paid a fee probably to take him on loan. So yeah. there's probably some kind of contractual... Uh, I mean, I mean, Wenger's talked about this in the past. I can't remember when it was, years ago, about possibly bringing someone back. And in, in classic Arsene Wenger style, said he didn't really think it was ethical. Um, I, I can't see that happening, to be honest. Maybe in January, if we're in a real emergency, but certainly not before then. Mm. Yeah, I just looked it up here. Uh, Watford, uh, Hector Bellerin has been recalled by Arsenal from his loan at Watford. So it was a case that we, we brought him back. Um, so it's it's I guess it's possible if that clause exists, but I think you're right that in Premier League terms, having them paid a fee, etc., etc. Plus, he's injured anyway. At the moment. He's got of course he is. He's an Arsenal defender. He's got a dodgy hamstring. All right. Well, look, before we um, spiral off into the realms of, oh, my God, we're fucked, uh, we'll take a short break and we're going to come back with part two and some of your questions. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. It's uh, part two where we take your questions that you sent to us on Twitter, at Gunnarblog and at Arsblog. But before we do that, we had a, an interesting meeting on, on Friday afternoon. We did, yeah. Mm, something exciting is in the, in the machinations of, of Arscasting, there's something going on. In the pipeline. The very, yeah, the pipeline. Just to manage people's expectations, we're not building a new defender for Arsenal out of, you know, things we found. Mm, and we do not have uh, crude oil. This is not a crude oil pipeline through which <laughs> all of us will get rich. No, sadly. No, but we will have more details on next week's Arscast Extra, something that's happening hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Mm. Um, so tune in for that. Exciting times ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, let's have a question, shall we? Why not? Right, well, this one comes from Jagzy10. 
And he asks, would you rather use Bellerin as the right-back cover, considering that we're short at centre-back and Chambers is our only cover there? Mm. Yeah, I saw that question. And um, I think it's going to be Chambers because probably he's a better player at this moment in time. And I think the way that Bellerin gets into the team is if something happens to one of the other centre-halves and Chambers will move back into the back into the middle. I think you've mm-hmm. just got to try and play as many of your best players as possible. Um, but I can kind of see the logic, but, you know, what the fuck at this point? <laughs> you know, I don't think we can, I don't think we can be that choosy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting, won't it, when we, when we see the Capital One Cup, the team that he's going to have to put out for that. Yeah. I mean, he can't possibly pick one of Mertesacker or Koscielny for that game, yeah. can he? Borough Primarach at centre-half. Yeah, well, you could get Bellerin at right-back, Chambers yeah. at centre-half, Hayden, perhaps, at centre-half. Hayden, yeah, I guess. And, Who do you play uh, at left-back? Um, one of Gibbs or, or Monreal, I suppose, when you've got two, you know, yeah. two, you might as well. Because, you know, what the fuck, if another one gets injured, then... You know. There's a there's a lad in the under twenty ones. One of these, I think he's one of these double barreled named lads we've got coming through. There's going to be more and more of those. I think. Oh, the one who sounds like he's uh, made up by the Arsenal gent. Yeah, indeed. There's a few of those. Yeah, but I think there's going to be more and more because of the changing nature of society and and marital law. But I think. Oh, you um, mean double barrel names? Yeah, yeah. Brandon Ormond Otwill. Yeah, that or might Otwell. be the, that might be the chap. He's very quick. Um, he might might get a look in, I guess, but I think yeah, with Gibbs and Monreal, I kind of feel like, you know, that's the the, the area of the pitch where we've actually got some depth in defence at the moment, relatively. Mm. Um, I mean, I wonder about even risking Chambers at centre half. You know, I, I guess they will have to, and also it's important for him to get games in that position. Let's not forget, he barely knows it, does he? So mm. any experience he can get, and we playing against his former club, of course, in Southampton in the the Carling Cup or Capital One Cup as it is now so yeah and a big day for Isaac Hayden that will be surely because if he plays well you know find himself in line for a first team play sooner or rather than later yeah well there you go <laughs> it is what it is hey? it is yeah um, alright here's one from uh, Richard Franklin who is at the real Bearski and he wants to know how can we stop our worrying trend of conceding with our opponent's first shot on goal Allow them no shots. That okay, be, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? Um, it's a returning trend, I think. It's something that happened a couple of seasons ago, didn't it? That, Or, or at least relatively recently, whereby, yeah, f- 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 first shot the opponent took, back of the net. Mm. Um, I don't know. I mean, you're right there. Yeah, no, no, no. I was just, uh, I just turned my microphone down so you wouldn't hear me coughing. It's all right. It's okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I don't know what to to make of it. I guess with that, you have to, you have to basically consider that the chances that are falling to our opposition must be relatively easy to convert. It's not like we're conceding to a string of unstoppable 30-yard screamers. Yeah. Yeah. it must be to do with the, the nature of the chances we're giving away. Does that then come back to the uh, to the issue with the fullbacks pushing up, or our defensive cover not being, you know, the gung honess of our of our attacking play is perhaps making it easier for us to 
to be caught on the break? I mean, maybe that would that would factor with um, Leicester's goal. Uh, you know, they got in behind the fullback. Manchester City's goal against us. Yeah. Um, and then also, you're looking at a lot of set pieces, aren't you? You're looking at, uh, you know, Palace and um, I, I forget the others. Yeah, I, I think the, the key is just tighten the fuck up defensively. <laughs> you know, being simplistic about the whole thing, I think, you know, we haven't been as aggressive defensively as we should be. No, I mean, if you look at our defending last season, I think most Arsenal fans will say it was the best we had in a good few years. And mm. and we haven't started this season with that kind of solidity at the back, have we? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. They just published something on, on Arsenal.com, uh, Per Mertesacker talking about zonal marking and the key to zonal marking. He says, when you play zonal, you need to attack the ball and try to get the best players out and mark tightly when they're in front of you. We lacked... Uh, a bit of that intensity. So uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think, I mean, that's why I mentioned Giroud because I think zonal marking is is all well and good, but you also need people who are going to go and attack the ball. You know, it's no it's no point saying, well, I've got my zone and that's it. You know, at the end of the day, the ball is there to be won as well. Mm. Um, and I think that is what we lack, really. You know, we talk about lacking height. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. But we also lack people who sort of have that uh, willingness to go and go and win the ball in the air. Yeah. Um, we've only got a couple who actually are comfortable doing that, so that's a bit of a problem for us as well. What about Chesney's form? Do you think... He could be doing better. I mean, you know, if you're conceding from your first shot on goal, is that is he someone who should be examined, looked at? Maybe in terms of the... I don't really have an issue with him in terms of the his shot stopping. I think perhaps his distribution against Manchester City was, was found wanting a number of yeah, times. I thought, I thought so. His kicking wasn't great. And I think that is perhaps something that not that it's always been an issue, but maybe a, a, a case of not complacency either. I just think that maybe he thinks he's a better distributor of the ball than than he actually is. Um, probably probably missing Bakary Sanya as well. Yeah, his- but it's noticeable. There was a couple of times where you know we 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 use that very out ball that he'd lump it towards uh, Debushi and Debushi would would win the header. I mean, yeah. I think he couldn't really do much about the first goal. The second goal. Maybe you know a bit of a mix-up, and all it would have taken is another half an inch of his gloves on the on the ball to to put it around the post. So uh, he also made a really very good save, didn't he, to make it or to stop it being two nil. Mm. Made a very good save late as well, um, which Nasri put in from the rebound, but was offside from. So yeah, no, I don't think I don't think I would uh, have too many worries just yet. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think he, he's got to just maybe keep things a bit more simple when it comes to, to uh, distributing the ball. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, cool, another question? Yeah. Okay, well, I could have picked any... Is it my question? Is it my go? Yeah, I think so. I've lost track. Such a fluid conversation. It really is. What a great podcast. Mm. I um, <laughs> I uh, could have picked any number of questions about Mesut Ozil. Okay. There were a few. I've gone for this one. It's a somewhat arbitrary choice. This is from Valentin Zulj, I believe. Um, forgive Good me that I'm... you picked the one with the simplest name. Well, I like a challenge. Mm-hmm. And um, he says, what do you think of Ozil being Arshavind down the left flank? Um what do you think of Ozil being Arshavind down the left flank? An invention of a verb there. Yeah, I'm not necessarily sure he is being Arshavind because, um, you he's know... Not got, he's not got fat, for one. Correct. He's not got fat uh, and doesn't eat all the cakes. But look, I think if you look at where where uh, Ozil plays, it's generally across, you know, the, the, uh, the attacking part of the midfield. He spends as much time on the right-hand side as he does on the left. He might have ostensibly started there, but he played in the middle, drifted middle. He came over to the right-hand side. So I don't think it's a question that he's being restricted. Um, so by... you, you don't have any issue with him being picked? Because a lot of people have said uh, on my Twitter timeline, things like that, he's being played out of position. What do you, what do you feel about well... that? I, think I know he, you've been he, doing your, your heat map research. This yeah. Morning. Well, I mean, I think he, he would prefer to play more centrally. I think he said that last week. But I think we're, we've also uh, watched a World Cup in Brazil where a very, very good and effective German team with Ozil playing well in it. Um, and he, he played on the left-hand side for the duration of that tournament. Uh, he won the World Cup with Germany there. So he's not being played in a position that's completely alien to him. It's not like he doesn't know how to play there or be effective there. My feeling on, on Ozil is that he is badly out of form. I think he's a great player, but I think he's just badly out of form and lacking confidence and belief. I mean, there was a moment in the second half where he had the ball in the middle of the, the, the city half, dead central, and... That's where everyone wants to see him, on the ball. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got the, the clamoring for Ozil. He's got to play central. He's got to play central. And what he did with the ball was he just kind of clumped it forward, up in the air, and I think it just went straight through to Joe Hart. And that, to me, is speaks uh, to a man who's just, like, has no confidence in his own game at the moment. Um, and I think Arsene Wenger perhaps is trying to give him confidence and belief by by playing him because he dropped Cazorla, really, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and Cazorla has been a very effective player for us this season. You know, I don't think the team has clicked yet from an attacking point of view, but, but Cazorla's been involved in a lot of good stuff. Um, and I think that was perhaps a show of faith for, from Arsene Wenger. So... I think probably a bit of patience is required. I think we saw with Jack Wilshire that it might just take one or two performances to play himself back into into form. But you know, I understand the worries as well at the same time. Uh, and I don't think his his style necessarily helps because he is he's not an Alexis, is he? He's not a no. guy that's going to chase 40, 50, 60 yards and and get a tackle in. That's not his game and I think it, you know, um while he could be stronger and while he could do a bit more I think if you're expecting him to be that kind of player, then you're always going to be disappointed. For me, the worry is that he's not producing from an attacking point of view. Um, three three assists or something in those last 19 games. Um, and that's a worry. So, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think we just have to be a bit patient. I think it'll come good. Do you think uh, we can afford to, you know, you talk about having a guy like Santi on the bench. Do you think we can afford to, to keep playing him until he finds this form? Um. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think we've got we've got options. Whereas, if where if it doesn't work, then at least we can change it, or, or we can try something else and and bring him on. Um, I just think Arsene Wenger, when he spends forty two and a half million pounds on a player, has has done that because he believes he's you know one of the best players in the world, sure. and uh, eventually. You know, I think he'll he'll find his form again. I, you know, the criticism of him not tracking back or not not being an aggressive tackler, you know, that wasn't the case with uh, with Overmars. That wasn't the case with Robert Perez. The difference, of course, is that they were more productive from an attacking point of view. So I think, yeah, I think it's a difficult one for Arsene Wenger, isn't it? I think it's difficult, but uh, I don't really have any long term uh, worries about Ozil. That'd be my thing. What do you reckon? I don't know. I mean, I don't think anyone will argue about his his talent and his quality. I think we're all aware that he is a top-class player, a world-class player. Um, I do worry that he's not producing. I think the whole defensive, you know, he should be tackling back more. I think that's a bit of a red herring. I think if he was producing goals and assists, no one would be talking about that. Mm. Um I think that, you know, the, the problem is a, a guy like Alexis, he can have a terrible game on the attacking front, but he'll still please the fans and demonstrate his value to the team by the constant work rate that he, he puts in. Ozil's never going to be that. He's never going to have that. So when it when he's not firing, it's kind of more tangibly felt. Um, I agree with you that he's playing without confidence. Um I mean, do you think he's do you think he's disinterested? I mean, people we see that the accusation leveled at him that he's he doesn't look that interested or that up for it. But I don't actually think that no. And I actually thought there was some a couple of really encouraging moments from Ozil. You know, we talked about the build up to that first goal. There was a, a little bit of I don't want to be reductive, but throwing his weight around. You know, like sort of making his presence felt. Um, not just physically, but in terms of imposing his, his personality upon the, the game, you know, getting involved and driving into the centre, trying to make things happen. I think the positional thing, and, and I think I might take some flack for this, but I do think that's sort of another red herring. I mean, you know, he said he prefers to play in the centre or on the right, but if you're asking me watching the City game, he spent as much time on the right as he did on the left mm-hmm. um, and almost as much time in the centre, to be honest. Yep. He, he had real licence to drift and playing on the left hasn't inhibited the likes of David Silva or Robert Perez from you know coming into the middle and, and getting involved. I think he's completely positionally intelligent enough to accomplish that. It's what he's doing when the ball's at his feet that's the problem at the moment. Yeah, I agree, yeah. Um, and I hope and feel it should turn around, but I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a little bit of concern. You know, we talk about him being bereft of confidence, but it feels like he's been like that more than he's been on top of his game in his time at Arsenal thus far. Mm. It feels like he hasn't... There was that early spell when he first arrived and he looked absolutely terrific, um, but he's never looked fully comfortable and happy with what he's doing on the pitch. And I don't question his commitment, but I do think that there is a question of confidence. And I I really hope it happens to him, because obviously 
he's one of the world's great players. And, and it's difficult to fully understand or make sense of why it's not happening. Um, but, you know, I think Wenger's probably doing the right thing. You know, persist with him, make sure he has opportunities. Maybe he will get a chance in the middle. I'm not sure I can see that coming anytime soon because if you look at the way Jack Wilshire's playing and the contribution of Aaron Ramsey generally to our play, it's hard to see Ozil justifying that that number 10 spot at the moment. Mm. Um, so I think he's going to have to adapt to this new role. for the t- And certainly until Theo Walcott comes back, then I think we might see a, a rejigging. All right. Well, actually, on that, here's a, here's a question from uh, Arsenal Vision, Mean Lean. Also came in from uh, Liam Quigley. And uh, the question is, who do you guys see missing out uh, when Theo Walcott is fit and ready for games? How does he get him, you know, into the team? And, and what does that mean for our attacking uh, options. Okay. Um, do you... Well, I, I don't know. There's been a lot of talk about this idea of a, a front three of Walcott, uh, Welbeck and Alexis. The kind of, you know, pacey trio, how, how terrifying that would be. Mm. I'm not convinced that Arsene Wenger will play those three together that often because... Having seen in the past how reluctant he was to use both Theo Walcott and Lucas Podolski, he generally prefers one of those wide players to be more what you would call a midfielder, I suppose, mm. a Cazorla or an Ozil. Maybe that the presence of Alexis will change that because he works back so much. But I, I kind of wonder if um, it'll be two from those three. Um on a, on you know especially in the bigger games with with a Cazorla or or Ozil on on that left hand side I don't know I'd like to see Alexis on the left Theo on the right well back through the middle um, but that feels quite cavalier and I, I'm not sure that I see Arsene Wenger going for that What do you reckon Yeah I don't know that genuinely it's hard to it's hard to to see um, how we get all those players in the team. All the good players that you'd like to see, like Cazorla, Ozil, Wilshire, Ramsey, Walcott, Welbeck, Alexis. Um, I think it's just good that we've got the depth. It's a good problem, I would mm. say. It is a good problem. Um, and I think we have to remember Theo will probably take, you know, a few weeks or even a, you know, a bit more than that to get back into any kind of uh, real form and match fitness. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, br- a bridge we can cross, but I think it's a, one of the good problems we have. If we talk about the, the, the problems we have at the back, then this is almost the opposite, isn't it? The difficulty is how do you get all the players in rather than who the fuck am I going to play? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I think it's reasonable. I, I think one thing that's really encouraging is that Alexis Sanchez, you know, in the last couple of games, he's played on the flank ostensibly, but on both occasions he's, he's, he's managed to get into the, the box and, you know, get goal scoring opportunities like I think that's a really important skill you know with Freddie Jumberg Robert Pires we've always had players who can make those runs from wide positions and drift into the centre um, and it seems that he's not going to need to play through the middle to be a, a valuable goal scorer for us um, and I think that's that's good and that gives us flexibility and, and options up top alright cool let's have another one if you got one um, okay ba 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 I've got loads. I just need to choose one. It's it's a yeah, it's a bit like Arsenal's forward line. You just don't know which <laughs> which of these great questions to use. Okay, let's go for this one. This is from um, DC eighty six Guna, uh, and he asks: 
how many changes and what changes do you think we'll make for the Dortmund game? Good question. Um, Which we barely touched on. Big game. Yeah. Uh, Chambers, obviously, a right back. Yeah. I think probably Cazorla will will play. But, yeah. yeah. At, whose, at whose expense? Ozil. Really? That would mm. be a massive call. Yeah. In Germany. I know, I know, but, you know... Yeah, I don't know. You sp- yeah, it's difficult. This is the same thing. I mean, I think he'll continue with Welbeck up front. Uh, Alexis has got to play because he's in good form. Wilshire, you can't drop Wilshire on the back of a game like that. No. Um, unless there's some kind of medical reason why you, you might want to rest him. Um, Ozil didn't play particularly well against Man City. Cazorla has played well, so I, I, you know, I think that could be the change. Um, what about um, Gibbs and Arteta? Oh yeah, Arteta will play. Arteta will play, and maybe Gibbs. Maybe Gibbs. Maybe depends on his fitness. I think, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, I think Arteta will definitely come back in um, for Flamini. For Flamini, just to give you that bit more composure in midfield. Um, you know, uh, uh, particularly on the ball, um, I think he he'll yeah, I think he'll come in. But other than that, hard to call. We just mm. talked about the attacking options. Do you think he might consider another outing for Alexis through the middle? I mean, what did you make of Danny Welbeck's debut? I thought he worked very hard. Very unlucky not to score. He gave us a bit of uh, gave us a bit of presence up there. I thought what was interesting ahead of the second goal was we had a, a centre forward. Uh, who got in the way of company. It was a company's header. He just yeah. gave him a little nudge just to put him off slightly, and that was enough for the header to fall to Wilshire to head back to Alexis. You know, I think he's a, he looks a smart player, um, ran himself into the ground, basically, uh, got cramp uh, and had to come off. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it was, provided he's not feeling any ill effects from that, I think he'll, I think he'll give him a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's down to Kazula and Ozil, really, I think. I, because, you know, if you think the midfield will be Arteta, Wilshire, Ramsey, probably. Mm-hmm. Alexis and uh, Welbeck will both start. You've got that one spot, that kind of floating from the left. Um, I Personally, I think he'll keep faith with Ozil. I just think it's one of those moments where the manager, you know, might have to stick with a guy who's going through a tough time and, and show that show that faith in him. I wonder if dropping him will do more harm than good. Uh but we shall see. Mm, okay, here's one about Jack Wilshire from uh, Geezy Peas. And he says, I think Jack is at his best dribbling and playing combos through lines, but wonder if his versatility might be a hindrance with England and Arsenal having played him in a variety of positions in a relatively short uh, space of time. I mean, do, where do you see Wilshire nailing down a, a position in this team? Because you, most of his youth career, or he's played like a, a number 10. That's where he likes it. Yeah. Yeah, he was very, particularly when he was about, you know, 15, very attacking player. I remember him scoring a couple of hat-tricks, I think, at under-16 level. Um, But, you know, England deployed him as a kind of deep-line playmaker the other day, didn't they? As a kind of a a Pirlo-esque midfielder. I don't think Jack's, I don't think that's his preferred position, and I don't think that's where Arsene Wenger sees him. You know, Wenger likes, he always talks about Wilshire's little burst, doesn't he? His ability to go past people and... 
ultimately that's at its most useful in the final third, as we saw when he absolutely stormed past Gail Clichy, didn't he? Yeah. In the build-up to that goal, lovely little uh, sort of you know sidestep and acceleration. So I do think that basically Arsenal's plan, I think, is to build a midfield. It seems with one sitting player. It's funny he's been talking to the French press. I don't know if you saw about his. He was like, oh, I was happy with my transfer business, but I'd still like a, a Vieira or Petit type. I saw those quotes, and we weren't quite we weren't quite able to make proper sense of them because in some translations it says people say we need a Vieira uh, or a Petit maybe. type. So I don't know if that's what he's actually after or whether he's just saying people are saying that. Okay, well, if anyone can clear that up, please uh, please do. Yeah, tweet in. Um, but you know, I think he wants to have one holding player with two other midfielders pushing forward and those look like being Ramsey and Wilshire at present mm. I, I think that is his best position not not quite a pure number 10 not a second striker in the kind of role that Urza would like to be in someone who plays from deeper with the licence to break forward much like Aaron Ramsey did last season uh, the problem Martin Wenger has at the moment is can you fit both of them into the same side but I have to say I thought against Manchester City they dovetailed well and uh, there were promising signs there I mean what that means for Meza Ozil, we've talked about he might find himself squeezed out to mm. the left. Well, form ultimately form should dictate who That's plays, true. right? So yeah, it should. But then I think um, it's a slightly different shape, isn't it? To go with to go with Ramsey and Wilshire in there rather than uh, an Ozil. You know, I think if you go with a, that kind of pure playmaker, it, it alters the system. So if Wenger likes this shape. Ramsey and Wilshire make more sense as they're comfortable deeper, but also offer you that that vertical, you know, burst forward. I think that's where, I think that's where he's at his best. I mean, he's a, he can be a box to box midfielder in that sense. Mm. Do you do you agree? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's the job he had was to make it difficult for Arsene Wenger to leave him out of the team. Yeah. You know, a few weeks ago, people were saying, "How does Wilshire fit in this team?" Well, he just showed against Manchester City how. So, um, you know, a bit more consistency. And, uh, you know, I don't see any reason why he can't nail down a, a regular position in the, in that Arsenal midfield. So, uh, keep it up, I say. Cool. All right. One, one, more from, uh, one more from you. Okay, one more. This is from Steve Pye uh, or at 1980s Sports Blog. Right. For all you fans of 1980s sports. Uh, and he asks... Are there we- sports that are specifically 1980s? I have no idea. Hacky sack? Yeah. <laughs> Could be. Maybe. Maybe. Twister. Twister, definitely. I think yeah. that was that was its decade, really. Um, he asks, which image is worse? Sesk looking happy in a Chelsea shirt or a naked Pulis fighting James Beattie? Well, I, I think probably the first one. Um right. Do you like the second one? or It's not so much that I like it, right. but I remember seeing um, there was a film, a really terrible film called, I think it was Eastern Promises with yeah, Viggo was, Mortensen. Yeah, that was what it's called. Yeah. And the only good thing in that film was a fight scene in a Turkish bath where he was in the nip and he was fighting two guys who came in to stab him to death or something like that. And uh, I think once you've seen Viggo Mortensen's leathery bits flapping around on film, then even the uh, the thought of Tony Pulis and and James Beattie having at it in the nude um, can't can't top that. So for me, it's got to be the the Sesk one. How are you coping with uh, 
such blossoming bromance with Diego Costa. Don't like it. I don't <laughs> like it. Well, I mean, I don't like it from the point of view that, you know, Sesk is doing now for Chelsea what we all want Ozil to do for us. Yeah. And that's making it worse. I think if Ozil was at the top of his game and, and having that kind of an impact, then it would be much easier to cope with. But uh, he isn't. And uh, it's, you know, pretty much everything to do with Chelsea is unpleasant. Yeah. Uh, as I mean, you know. I know full well. Yeah, all too well. Yeah, so, yeah. What, what would your choice be there? Oh, that is driving me crazy. Yeah. Sort of, <laughs> uh, trying to uh, ignore it. Basically, every. And as. Regular listeners will know my brother is a Chelsea fan, and every time they score a goal with that little Catalan at the heart of it, he just sends me a, a text that just says Sesk, just oh, to you know, what a ham- cunt. hammer over the blow. <laughs> um, and I do think, as you say, you know, I think I sensed a bit of a, a shift in the kind of general thinking about Özil this weekend. I felt like there was wider criticism among the Arsenal fans than there normally is, and I, I can't help but feel that certain Mister Fabregas's exploits are feeding into that. You know, mm. There's a, a direct comparison yes. drawn now. So it'll be interesting to see. Ask us again in May about that one, yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll be feeling better about the whole thing then. That would yeah. be good, but I'm not especially confident that <laughs> that's the case. Right, here's the final question of this week's Arscast Extra, and uh, it comes from Mirko Moretti. Uh, and he wants to know, would you rather have Alexis-esque muscles on your face or hers legs and Santi's arms. Wow. I mean, Per's legs and Santi's arms, you'd be like a T-Rex, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you fell over, could you get up? <laughs> I saw a thing the other day about T-Rexes, like they can't clap because <laughs> the little arm's too short, prehensile. Yeah, well, was... there wasn't much to applaud back then. No, true. Fairness. True. So it wasn't an issue. Um, had had dinosaurs invented um, theatre, then per- perhaps the T-Rex would have evolved longer arms in order to applaud a performance by uh, Johnny Brontosaurus or one of those. Presumably that's the only reason theatre didn't come around until several million years later. Mm. But I... So they've got that option, the kind of, you know, the, the dinosaur-arsenal hybrid. Um what was the other one? Alexis Sanchez's muscles. On, on your face. F- on my face. Wow. You could win a few gurning championships with those, couldn't you? Mm. Um, the rippling muscles of Alexis Sanchez. I am going to go for that because the inconvenience of being that high up in the air but not being able to reach anything with my arms seems significant. Um, it would be especially frustrating um, when you're bursting for a wee, I'd say. Yes, exactly. Exactly. This is, again, why dinosaurs didn't invent trousers. Yeah. They, they would have been a, a massive inconvenience. You'd need a you'd need a manservant, wouldn't you, to go yeah. with you anywhere at all times going, um, come with me now, I, it's time to urinate. <laughs> I actually have one of those any, already. Um, well. I'm preparing, preparing for old age early, give him lots of training. I, the Alexis Sanchez muscles thing is strange. You'd look a bit like a kind of Benjamin Button character, wouldn't you? Mm. Uh, or, yeah. you know, did you ever see um, someone who's been stung in the face by a bee? Yeah. And it's or, all like... Or Arnold Schwarzenegger when he's in the atmosphere on Mars. Um, what film was that? Total Recall. 
Yeah, like sort of about to burst oh, in the yeah. face. <laughs> Just uh, that was the moment, you know, the the, the cusp of uh, when special effects were still quite um, land of the giants and, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, plasticine monsters and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I haven't seen that for a few years. It, lo- it looks... Um, Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, I can remember at the time because there was that scene, wasn't there, in the um, in the the airport where he's going through uh, security and mm. he's like dressed as an old woman or a big <laughs> fat woman, and then the face kind of comes apart. And you're looking at it, and, oh no! Even the even the Johnny Taxi thing driving around. Uh, yeah, it, it hasn't aged well. <laughs> right. Well, I, I don't think I would either if I had Sanchez's muscles all over my face, but. Um, I'm going to go for that option. What about yourself? Yeah, definitely the muscles. Definitely face muscles. You'd be very expressive. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Quite scary also, you I'd could, say. Yeah, you could do the full range of emoji emoticons, I imagine, <laughs> if you had all those muscles. Yeah, because, yeah, you could probably train your face to move into all different shapes. Like, now I'm a dog. Look. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're we're down with that. Okay. Cool. All right. Okay. Well, look. Make sure that you stay, uh, stay, li- no, not stay listening to this, but make sure you listen in next week for all the details of that very exciting thing we were talking mm. about. We'll have the Arsecast here on Friday as we look back on Dortmund and ahead to Villa. Is it this weekend? Yes, it is Villa away. Um, tricky game. Tricky game. Tricky game. Big week. We're, this is a mini death run, guys. It's escaped comment really but this is a tough old run we're in the it sure of. is and we have to face Roy Keane's increasingly crazy looking beard it's no Pires it's definitely not a Pires beard no mm. that's kind of what mine would look like if I let it grow which is why I don't Right. You know, it gets to a certain point it's like no no um, so yeah listen into the Arsecast on Friday and we'll be here with another uh, we'll be here with another Arsecast extra my voice is fucked now next Monday Okay, give your voice a rest. Yes, I will. All right, cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.